0: Come on, happy Sunday, Go Church family. Listen to me, we are a week removed from Easter, but can I give you good news? He is still risen. Come on, how about that? I love it. And I love you all so much. I am uh, I'm confident that at some point during this gathering already at whatever campus you're a part of, that someone has greeted you. If by some way you've slipped through those cracks, let me be the one to tell you, we love you, we're glad you're here today. For those of you in this room at our South Metro Atlanta campus, this is our broadcast campus and we're excited and thrilled to have you here today. I do wanna look at the cameras in the back of the room. Let's greet our West Side Atlanta campus. We say hello to all of you, meeting on the beautiful property there at the City of Refuge, come on. Then our Germantown, Maryland campus, 700 miles from here. Come on, can you bless them, welcome them and the greater Washington DC area. And then of course everybody online so whoever you are wherever you're watching from what campus you're part of today we love you we're just one big family serving one awesome god and it is a joy and a privilege to be together on this sunday and then of course we have a tradition that we do every week before we get into the message and if you've been a part of go church for any period of time you know this to be true we pause to give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military or those brave men and women that are on the front line as first responders So if you serve in any capacity where where you serve and protect and sacrifice for our betterment, we just wanted to say thank you. This moment of applause and appreciation, it's genuine, it's heartfelt. There's no agenda here, there's no strings attached. I just think it's appropriate that we just bless the men and women that sacrifice and serve. So at every campus online as well, can we put our hands together, come on. Can we shout, can we hoot, can we holler, can we whistle? Come on, thank God for the brave men and women. Come on church. I like it. And then I'm going to help out every man in the room, every lady in the room, every child in the room, to remind you that in two Sundays from now, it's Mama's Day. Come on, Mother's Day in two weeks. So for those special mamas in your life, you've still got plenty of time for Amazon Prime. Can I get an amen from somebody? So you got a couple weeks here. I have already texted Kimberly and said, can you send me some Amazon links of gifts that you want? Come on, somebody follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's all I'm saying. But we love moms around here. And I know that Mother's Day is different for everybody. Some of you may not have a close relationship with your mom. Some of you, your moms may have gone on and exited this world, transitioned from this world to to heaven. And so you've got the dynamic of that. Some of you are close to your mom. You have that great relationship. But we love moms, we celebrate moms, and we wanna do that on Mother's Day here at Go Church. And we've got the Lisa Turkhurst who will be here on Mother's Day. I would highly encourage you to get here early for a good seat, this place is going to be packed. As a matter of fact, Mother's Day is typically the second highest attended Sunday or the highest attended Sunday that we have all year. And so when you bring in someone like Lisa Turkhurst, uh, it, it will be that, that same way. So get here early, come and celebrate. We got something for moms, we got pictures for the family and it's gonna be a great day and I want you to be a part of that, all right? And then the second thing I wanna give you before I pray for you, last Sunday was Easter. Every Easter we do that Easter survey. We asked five questions on there. The team is working through the data and the analytics of all of that. The most important question that we asked though was at the end of, end of that uh, survey on the backside about the next steps in your faith journey. And if you remember we had everybody mark a letter a b c or d a was i'm already in a relationship with jesus b is today on easter sunday i'm beginning a new relationship with jesus christ c was i'm not ready but i'm considering it and then d was i doubt that i'll ever ask jesus to be my lord and savior i want to give you some wins here today and of all of the numbers that we celebrate on easter sunday this first one those who marked the letter b This is worth the highest applause of just appreciation and celebration. How about this, 129 people said yes to Jesus, come on. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, all of heaven is celebrating. I love that. Uh, Between all of our gatherings and all of our campuses, we had over 2,200 people in attendance on Easter. I'm no mathematician, but this is right shy of 6% of those who were in person said yes to Jesus. And that is just beautiful. I also want to give you those who marked the letter C and D, because I'm committed to praying for these individuals. So 20 people said, you know what, I'm not ready, but I am considering this faith, you know, journey, this accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior. We're praying for you. We're believing that every C will move to a B. Come on, somebody. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's great. Come on. And then three individuals, three individuals said, I doubt that I will ever ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And I wanna let you know that we're praying for you. Uh, I believe, excuse me, I was a D and now look at me. I was the one that said, I doubt I'll ever ask Jesus to be my Lord and savior. And, uh, And if God can do it for me, God can do it for any of you in this category. Come on, let me get 200 people that have been there. God saved you, set you free. That's your testimony. So we're praying for you. Now I'll say this, I'm going to pray. All right, we'll get into the message in this series. But I want to pray specifically over the celebration of the 129 people that said yes. And then those 23 people that haven't yet made that decision. For some of you, this could be family. This could be friends. This could be a neighbor or a coworker that you invited. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do. You can't save anyone and neither can I. But Jesus can. His precious blood on the cross at Calvary. So let me pray over these and then I'll pray over this message and I'll believe that God will meet us here, all right? Every head bowed, every eye closed, every campus, I wanna take seven seconds here, moment of silence, kind of a focal point here of meditation, simply to allow you to get your mind and heart right, powerful worship, great ministry moment. As we go into the message though, I believe God's got a word for us. Can we take seven seconds here and let the Holy Spirit speak to us and then I'll pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are and all that you do and the way that you love us, God. I'm on this stage today grateful for the 129 people that on one Sunday, Easter Sunday, said yes to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm reminded in your word that you say that no man comes to the Father but by you, Jesus. So I'm praying that everyone would accept you as Lord. I pray for the 23 people that are either on the fence or completely just against the idea of surrendering surrendering themselves to you. I don't pray this in a mean way. I pray this in a heartfelt way that the Holy Spirit would convict them and draw them in to that personal relationship. As a matter of fact, that's really our job today. You tell us in your word that if we lift you up from the earth, you'll draw the people to you. So God, I'm not standing up here today trying to impress people. God, I'm not trying to you know, validate my intellect or knowledge. I'm not that smart, but I do pray for an anointing on my life. I'm asking that every word that would come out of my mouth would be God ordained and spirit led, that I want to be anointed to impact people. I echo the words of the apostle Paul that he told the church at Corinth where he said, for I do not speak with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. I need your power. And I pray for your people that you would anoint them, give them ears to listen and eyes to see. May they understand the word of God and may that word never return void. And we pray all of these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the whole church said amen and amen. You've clapped a lot today for a lot of reasons, but can we applaud real loud? Come on, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Come on, church. Come on, if you love them, let them know. Come on. There we go. All right, we're in week number four of a series that we're doing at Go Church. We're calling it Long Story Short, and we're looking at the Bible, the entire Bible from Genesis to the book of Revelation. So uh, it's a five-week series, which means it's impossible to cover, you know, the 66 books and the almost 174,000 words of the Bible in its entirety. The spiritual depth and the, uh, just the length of Scripture in itself would would permit us from, you know, uh, or the challenge us from getting to all of that. So what we are doing though, is looking at the Bible from a telescopic view, kind of expanding outward here, and just looking at five different events that happened in the Bible. I'll catch you up if this is your first Sunday with us on the five different themes or historical events in the Bible that we're looking at. But I do wanna tell you this, that when you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, here's kind of a working definition of what the Bible really is. It's just God's love letter. That's all it is. It's God's love letter to you. It's God's personal love letter to me. God is a redeeming God. It's not the will of the Father that anybody would perish, but that all would come to repentance. So God gives us his book, a holy book. Holy means set apart. He gives us this this holy book that is set apart from every other book, and he writes us this love letter. So if you are the letter A and you're already in a relationship with Jesus, you know the importance of reading the Bible every day because it provides food to our spiritual soul. Can I get an amen? If you just mark the letter B, or maybe you're in the other areas, C or D, listen, you got to get into the Word, even if you're wrestling with your faith. Uh, the Scripture, it's, it's truth, and the Bible tells us that truth is what sets us free. And so over the last few weeks, we've been looking at a few different events. Uh, we started with creation, then we moved to the fall. Last Sunday, Easter, we talked about the resurrection Next Sunday, we'll conclude the whole series, and we'll talk about the second coming of Jesus. Anybody interested in that? Like, a little curious of that? I think it's going to be a great Sunday. So we'll talk about the return of Jesus Christ. Today, though, we're going to talk about the church, the importance of the church, the bride of Christ, why the church exists. And if time permits, I'll even share with you a little bit about what your role in the church should be. Now, I create the slides for the TV I hope you enjoy having that. I know it helps certainly at the campuses that we live stream, but I love to give you a lot of Bible and all of that. And in my mind when I'm preparing and creating the slides is a process in my preparation and study, but I kind of know how many slides typically equal how many minutes in a message. So the first draft of the slides today was like 120 slides, which would have meant that you would be here till mother's day. Come on somebody. (laughs) So I decided, okay, that's a lot. So instead of giving every single one of these particular verses on the slide, I thought I'll just make one with all of the references here. So write them down or take a picture. I'll even pose for you. Come on now. And that nice like, Olin Mills. How many you remember Olin Mills? Come on now, right there. So anyway, this is kind of where we've been over the last few weeks. Genesis 1 is uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When God speaks, he creates. Then that was day one. Day six is Genesis 1, Uh, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God makes Adam from Adam's rib. He makes Eve. Uh, I've not shared this one with you in the series, but Genesis 1.28, and this is important, especially for the message today, uh, Genesis 1.28 is where God gives Adam and Eve, and there's two words here that I want you to write down, dominion over the earth or authority over the earth. And that's important, especially for the purpose of the church. I hope you're taking notes today. Come on, everybody take some notes Then you get into Genesis chapter number two, verses 15 through 17. God places man in the garden and he gives them free will. He says, you are free to eat from any of the trees, any of the fruit, except do not, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, surely you will die. Then you get into Genesis chapter 3, and the serpent, which is Satan, comes along. He deceives Eve. She eats of the forbidden fruit. She offers some to her husband. And now, because of their disobedience, sin enters the world. And God's perfect creation, God's perfect paradise, has now been broken because of sin. And I've told you this, I think, almost every week in the series. But that is what sin does. Sin breaks things. Sin never puts anything together. Sin only tears things apart. Sin is not constructive, it's, it, it deconstructs. Sin always over-promises and under-delivers. Can I get an amen? Come on. So in Genesis chapter 3, the whole, the whole game was changed because sin entered the world. And so there was only one way for us to be redeemed. And we talked about this on Easter Sunday, that God gave us Jesus. So it's not on here, but you could quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting eternal life. 1 John 3.8, which we looked at last Sunday on Easter, says that the son of God appeared for one reason, to destroy the work of the enemy. So what Satan did in the garden, God sent his son Jesus to take back, here's the word again, to take back the authority. So God gave Adam and Eve authority, gave them dominion, And then what happens? Satan comes along. He took the keys of authority. So God sends Jesus. Jesus comes. And what does he do? Through 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, three things he does to destroy the work of the enemy. He died for our sins. He was buried in a tomb. And then on the third day, up from the grave, he arose. And the whole church said, hallelujah. You see where we're going? Now, here we go with the conversation for today. Once the resurrection of Jesus happened, I'm going to to start out uh, teaching and then I'll move into some preaching, all right? So I'm going to start out telling and then I'm going to end up yelling. Is that good? So let's just teach a little bit here and then I'll yell at you. You came to get yelled at. Come on, somebody. So once Jesus was resurrected from the grave, um, history and the Bible tells us that Jesus walked this earth for 40 days in his glorified body, in his resurrected body. I didn't make that number 40 uh, yellow or highlight it yellow, but if you're writing this thought down, I want you to circle 40 or or box 40 because 40 is significant to the conversation that we're going to have. Jesus, in his glorified body, after the resurrection, he walks this earth for 40 days. What does he do in those 40 days? He does a lot. I'll give you four primary things that he does, though. And again, I could give you 40 things that Jesus did, but here's kind of four primary things that Jesus does after his resurrection, after he comes, comes alive. Okay, four things. Uh, pri- primary thing number one is 1 Corinthians 15, uh, he makes appearances to people. If you read verses five through eight in 1 Corinthians 15, you can add it up. Jesus makes over 500 appearances to people. Why? To prove that he is alive just as he said he would be, that there is no other theory other than the truth of the resurrecting power of God, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available to me and you. Come on, give me a good amen there. So he makes appearances to over 500 people. So that's that's the first thing that he, he does is to validate the resurrection. Then in Matthew 28, and I'll later on in the message show you this particular verse on the TV. But Jesus gathers the disciples together. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 are known as the Great Commission. Here he gives the mission of the church. So in this 40 days of him being on the earth in his glorified body, he pulls the disciples together. And this is what he says. All authority has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Right? Right? So what happens is Jesus came to to take the authority that Satan took from Adam and Eve. So he goes to the pit of hell, he goes to the cross, and then he goes to hell. He takes back the keys to death in the grave. And then in the Great Commission, he goes, all right, I'm giving you authority again. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's the second thing he does is he reveals the mission of the church. Then he reveals the necessary weight of the mission, the Great Commission, and says, before you begin this mission, wait for the Holy Spirit. That's Acts chapter one, verses four, five, and eight. It's what he says. If you got your Bible, you can flip there. He says, look, don't leave Jerusalem, verse four, but wait in Jerusalem. wait for the gift that my father has promised. You've heard me talk about this. Verse five, for John baptized in water, but in a few days, you're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Verse number eight. And when that happens, you will receive power. On the count of three, somebody shout, power, one, two, three. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And this is another perspective of the Great Commission, Luke's perspective of the Great Commission. And he says, and you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what happens is the Great Commission is revealed. And Jesus says, but in order to fulfill that, you need a power that is greater than your own power. You can't accomplish in your own natural power what I'm calling you to do, so I'm going to give you a supernatural power. And when Jesus reveals, uh, again, about the, the, the need for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then the fourth thing that happens is the very next verse. In Acts chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says that Jesus ascends to heaven. He's taken up to heaven. And now if you read in Mark chapter 16, that is where Jesus is today. Jesus today... Ascended from this earth after his resurrection, he's sitting at the right hand of God. And watch this: two things he's doing. Number one, he's praying for you. That's powerful. It's kind of like this. Like I don't know if you've ever needed an interpreter before. I've 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 needed that. Like I've gone on missions trips and needed like a, a, a Spanish translator. I, I've been to Haiti where they, parts of that beautiful country will speak Creole and I've, I've been in different places uh, and I've needed an interpreter. One time I went to Alabama and uh, <laughs> I really hope you appreciate this humor, you know. <laughs> get her done. And what did he say? <laughs> anyway, I got to get back here. Um, thank you. Touch them, Lord. Jesus bless him, And so uh what Jesus is doing, sitting at the right hand of the Father, is when you pray, I can just see Jesus leaning over to, to his Father and saying, now, that's Arlene, and Arlene is praying for this need. That's Jonathan, and Jonathan is just, he's, he's petitioning because of his family. That's Rebecca, and she's asking for divine healing. In her. Can you see that? So the first thing that Jesus is doing is he's praying with you and for you. Secondly, he's leaning up, waiting for his Father to say, Okay, now is the time for the second coming. You see this? So when Jesus ascends to heaven, he's taken and he's placed at the right hand of God the Father, okay? And then the disciples begin the instructions that Jesus set forth. And this is what they did. They go back to Jerusalem because he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift that my Father has promised you. So they go back to Jerusalem. Um, they, they've got this little two-story apartment building. They, they go upstairs to this room. We call it the upper room. And that's where they stayed. And they met together in that upper room. And I want you to see this. And two things happened there. They, they were committed to the spirit of unity. And they were committed to the discipline of prayer. Now, I'm going to try my best all day not to talk about any church outside of Go Church, all right? Because I only pastor this one. But when I think about the Western church and the Big C church across, across this globe, especially in the Western culture, two aspects that we see here for the gift of the Holy Spirit to be given, we're missing today. We don't have a great spirit of unity. It's like Christians are against Christians and churches are against each other. We're better together. We're better to, we, need to be, we need to be united. Okay, Psalm one. the psalmist David said, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. Listen, at Go Church, we're not in competition with anybody. We want to compliment other churches. As a matter of fact, a lot of times through the week when I drive by other churches in this area, I pray for them. God bless them, use them. There needs to be a spirit of unity. And then there needs to be a spirit of prayer. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, seek my face and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal and bless the land. If we want to see, I don't know what you want to see, but I want revival. I want great awakening. I want miracle signs, and wonders. I want to see supernatural things. Anybody with me on that? Then we have to have a spirit of unity and we have to have a spirit of prayer. So they're in this upper room and they are united. The Bible says that they were all in in one accord, okay? That's where we get Hondas from. All day, I'm going to be funny. I need your help. Or this is going to be a long day. They were in one, <laughs> they were in one accord. And then watch, let's go to Acts chapter two. Then the day of Pentecost came. The day of Pentecost came. Now let's go back to that number 40. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He walks this earth for how many days? 40, then he ascends to heaven, right? Then the disciples, they go into the upper room and they were committed to the spirit of unity and the discipline of prayer for 10 days, for 10 days. How do you know that? Because 40 plus 10 is 50, and the very definition of Pentecost is 50. So 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell. So the Pentecost, the the day of Pentecost, is known as the birthday of the church. This is when the church was birthed, right here, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So they're in the upper room, the day of Pentecost comes, and suddenly, and and watch, uh, the writer gives a little bit of of an inside view of that moment when the Holy Spirit fell from heaven. Jesus was ascended, the Holy Spirit descended, and the Bible says this, and suddenly, can I tell you, I could preach suddenly, I could do a whole series on the suddenly of God. And suddenly a noise like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven. It filled the whole house where they were sitting, and tongues, watch this, tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. Now, just for clarity, because when you read this, you might be thinking tongue like, uh, but it's not that. It's the gift of tongues, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So the gift of the Holy Spirit of tongues came and rested on each one of them. And verse number four says, and they were all filled with the who? Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Watch. Now skip to verse number 14. They have this Pentecostal experience. The baptism of the Holy Ghost comes. They're filled with the, pow- the dunamis power of God, a power far greater than their own. I'm about to start yelling. Come on, it's coming. I can feel it. Right? They're filled with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. They have this encounter. They begin to pe- uh, speak in an unknown language. And then Simon Peter steps out on the balcony of this two-story apartment building, and he preaches the very first sermon, the very first message of what was now known to be the New Testament church. And before I give you this, I just want to tell you, I want to look in the cameras and everybody listen to me at whatever campus. I want to talk to every politician. I want to talk to every pandemic that has been or ever will be, to everybody that's a part of the woke culture and the cancel culture, and those trying to ah, de- oh, Jesus, come on now. Trying to deconstruct the validity of the church. Jesus told Peter, he said, On that rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on. There is no power. There is no authority. There is no politician. There is no pandemic that can destroy the church of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Come on. On this rock, I will build my church and nothing. Somebody look at somebody and say nothing. And nothing can extinguish her. So I'll just say to the woke culture, cancel culture, deconstruction movement, you can come at us. And there may be some that fall along the way. But the church of Jesus will stand until he returns. Five seconds here. Give Jesus the highest praise. Come on. Simon Peter. Simon Peter begins to walk out on the balcony of that upper room. And he says, he's standing with the other 11. And he looks at the crowd. And he declares to them, men of Judea and all of you who live in Jerusalem, listen to my words. And I wish y'all would do that some Sundays. I'm up here preaching. Just listen to this message. He says, these people are not drunk with wine. As some of you think that they're in the habit of doing, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, he says, we're not drunk with wine. We're drunk with the Holy Spirit. And this has been spoken to the prophet Joel that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Watch. And your sons, and your daughters will prophesy. I pray that almost every night over my kids. Let them prophesy in Jesus' name. Young men will have visions and old men will have dreams. And Peter said to them in this first sermon, he said, repent. Repent of your sins and be baptized. Watch. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive Holy Spirit watch let's skip now to verse number 41 so then those who received his word they were baptized and that day there were added about 3,000 souls west side German and everybody in this room online throw both hands up in the air come on just real quick participate with me if you're physically able all right hands down and ever since that moment now you have been added as well ever since the day of Pentecost the birthday of the church Christ has been adding souls, adding souls, adding souls. And we are here today because of the Pentecostal experience that happened in the upper room because of Christ establishing the church on the rock and the gates of hell can't have it. Come on now. And they were devoted. Read the book of Acts with how the church behaved. They were devoted. And I love this. They devoted themselves to the teaching to the message, to to God's word. They devoted themselves to community and to fellowship because we need each other. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. We weren't created for quarantine or isolation. So they committed themselves to community and to fellowship. If there was a need in the body, There was no Salvation Army or Red Cross, and I love those nonprofits, but they can't do what the church should be doing. We've delegated our responsibility to secular entities. The New Testament church, man, if you had a need, everybody would just pitch in and sell possessions and help you out. Look at your neighbor and say, I need a million bucks, and you look like you got it. Come on now. Now when we see somebody in need, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Oh, listen. And they were committed to food. Come on, church. If Christians can do anything, we can eat. Come on, somebody. This is what they were committed to. And that is the church. Let me ask you this question. It's rhetorical here. When you hear the term church, or even when you see the, the, the word church, don't answer aloud. How do you define that? And look, we've all got different experiences. Some of you, you grew up in church. And so that upbringing in church has created a a, a spiritual awareness and an emotional attachment and understanding of the importance of that. This one breaks my heart, but some people have been hurt by church. I would imagine over the 20 years of my ministry, I've hurt some people unintentionally. Never have I ever intentionally hurt anybody, but... Some people went hurt by church. Some people believe in the power of the church, and they would even say that the church is essential, which I agree. And then there are some people that would say the church is a scam. It's a hoax. All they want is your money. What do you think about when you hear church? Or what do you want to get out of your church experience? I mean, you're here on a Sunday at a particular campus, so what is it that you're longing for? What is it that you're looking for? Our English word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And ekklesia simply means this, a gathering of people or an assembly of people. Ekklesia was not and is not a religious term. It's a military term. So before military men would go into battle, they would ekklesia. They would gather together. They would get equipped and trained and Fueled up and whatever other type of preparation was needed before they would go, before they would go into battle. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? That we would gather together to get prepared to go into a lost world, a broken world, and give them the hope of Jesus. Now, I'll just—I don't know. Anybody got any pet peeves? Show me your hands if you got a pet peeve. You don't have to tell me what it is. I got a pet peeve. You know, one of my pet peeves is when people call like what we do on Sundays a church service. Now, that's not your fault. We grew up kind of with that thinking, but whenever I hear church service and my team will tell you, my wife will tell you, it's like nails on a chalkboard because God didn't call you to come and just to sit in a service and, you know, be a spectator and soak in sour. That's why they had pews back in the day. No, it's a gathering. The Bible says where two or three gather together in my name, I'll be in the middle of that. That's what I want. So the ecclesia is the gathering of the body of believers. It's the gathering of the saints to equip us, to prepare us, to make sure that we're in the spirit of unity and the discipline of prayer, so that when we walk out into that world, we've got the Holy Spirit within us so that we can help restore broken humanity not in our own power, not in our it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, and point them back to the cross of Jesus. I need you to help me preach today. Come on. It's a lot of content, but I hope you're getting this. That's why like I think the early Christians, the New Testament church, they would be confused with what we do and why we do what we do and how we do what we do and why we do it. Did you get that? I, I mean they would be confused if if somebody said, Hey, come to my church or hey let let's go to church they'd be like baby what you talking about we are the church first corinthians says this first corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 do you not know that you are the temple of god for those that have said yes to christ jesus watch the spirit of god dwells in you Amen. do you know what that means that means like in the old testament in order to Feel God or be close to God, the Ark of the Covenant or the temple experience was required. But when Jesus died on the cross at Calvary, your Bible says that he ripped the veil in two. He ripped the curtain in two, which means I don't need an Ark of the Covenant. I don't need a building or a tabernacle. I get the presence of Jesus because he's just as close as the very mention of his name. Do you know what that means? That means that I am the church and I can have the same Holy Spirit encounter that I get on Sundays. I can have that in my car when I'm stuck in traffic on the interstate or I can feel the Holy Spirit when I'm taking a shower. Power! Come on, the Spirit of God is alive in me, and you know what we've done. And watch for the next 15 minutes. I promise you that I'm not mad and I'm not angry. All of the dysfunction of Go Church is my fault. I'm the pastor, but I think we've got some things messed up, and not just Go Church, but but the Big C Church. Because what we've done is we've made the gathering of God's people synonymous with a location, with a zip code, with an address, with brick and mortar. Are you hearing me? And we have actually reduced her power and restricted her purpose into one emotion. Look at your neighbor and say, He's not mad, he's just passionate. And we've made it about how we feel. Amen. Yeah. Amen. We've made it about feeling. God, forgive us. I, look, I, I kind of care how you feel. But when I preach up here, I'm preaching to the audience of one. Because yeah. when I die and stand before God, you know who will be there? God. <laughs> you know who won't? Y'all, so I've got to, I can't, I can't base what we do here at Go Church based off of how people feel. Could you imagine what this gathering would look like if I was like, all right, everybody just tell me what you want to do. Well, roll tide. <laughs> Full circle. I forget nothing. Here's, here's what I hear. These are just some experiences I've had. And again, I'm not angry, but let's get our house in order. Well, it's, you don't sing the songs I like. Probably true with your polka music. Well, it's, you preach long. Yeah. It's probably true too. It's so cold in here. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> and then somebody, it's too hot in here. Oh, you got the lights and the haze. And Why does my campus live stream? And all of these different things. Let me just say this to you because I love you. I love you enough to tell you the truth. That if anytime you begin your conversation about Jesus and his church and your testimony with you or with I, it ain't about you, it's not about me, it's all about him. And listen, whenever we gather together, whenever we ecclesia together, the church can never be about a feeling. It has to be about a feeling. When we come together, do we experience the supernatural power of God so that what we do in here fills the streets out there? Give me 200 people that are with me on that. I get it. You've got opinions and so do I. And I know you've sent the email. And yes, I read them. I just didn't want to respond. (laughs) Because opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got them. Well, I, I, no, I want it to be about you. I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what you think of me. I just want you to know my heart. And if you're looking for a church, it's not an easy thing to find a home church. What a great day to be here because you get to hear the heart of this pastor. I just walk out here with all humility and say, okay, Lord, when this is over, when this hour and a half is done, will you be pleased? Will you be honored? Will you be glorified? Will lives be changed? And I get it. We have different things and preferences, but I, you can't hold me accountable to preferences, but you can hold me accountable to the word of God. Come on those emails all here. And we're actually in a really good place, but somebody needed to say the truth and God told me it'd be me today. Let me give you six signs here of a healthy church. And I want to preface it with this. I'm not saying go church is perfect cuz Lord knows we're not we're not perfect. There's a lot of areas that we got to keep working on and getting better at and I know that. And as the church grows and she is growing again, it presents new challenges and things within our systems that are gaps and deficiencies. and So we're not a perfect church. I think these six signs of a healthy church, though, you're going to see in the DNA here of this house. Uh, but we're working, on, we're working on all of them. And let me say this to you as well. If, if you're looking for a church and you find a perfect church, please don't attend there and mess up what they got going on with your dysfunction. <laughs> just stay here with all of us crazy people. Come on, somebody. Let them do their perfectness. Let's just be up in here trying to figure it all out, all right? Let me give you six signs of a healthy church, watch this. Number one is this, a healthy church has to be a Bible-believing church. Not just Bible-believing, but Bible-teaching. Everything that a church does should make Jesus the center of it all. He should be the center of worship. He should be the center of the message. He should be the nucleus of that entire gathering because if he's not, we're just a a country club. You hear that? We gotta be Bible believing and Bible teaching and you better be sure that I'm gonna do my very best to give you the Bible every single week to hear the word of God because that's what this is all about. We can't build our own agenda and our own platform. No church should have a pastor that has any concern Or care about being a celebrity pastor. That's nonsense. And it's hypocritical. I'm not trying to be famous. I'm trying to make Jesus famous. It's not about us having a popular church or a catchy brand. No, it's about lifting up Jesus and making sure that he is the focal point of everything that we do. Now, I lied to you, so i got to repent. I said I wasn't going to talk about a church, but I am. On my social media feed this week, there is a church in Greenville, South Carolina that on May the 12th, during their church gathering, they will have a drag queen fashion show. That is no church. That is not a church. Now, we love all people and we love them to life, but right is right, wrong is wrong, truth is truth. Are you with me? One of the first factors in you being a part of a church is, are they preaching and teaching and living the Bible? A second sign of a healthy church is this. That church should be spirit-filled and spirit-led. Let me say it to you like this. You don't get to pick two of the three aspects of God's character and omit the third. So you don't get to say, well, I, I love God the Father and God the Son, but I don't believe in God the Holy Spirit. Then you don't believe Partial faith is not faith. He is God the Father. He is God the Son. He is God the Holy Spirit. And listen to me. Everybody look up here real quick. And I am Pentecostal, charismatic, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. And I learned a long time ago that there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party, because a Holy Ghost party, it don't stop. Come on now. Y'all not trying to help me. That's all right but I'm unapologetic about it because I've met a man named Jesus who changed my life. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he filled me with power far greater than my own. And it's that power that gives me the authority and the unction to preach God's word weekend and week out. Come on. So we're spirit filled here. Now watch, the Holy Spirit's not weird, people are weird. And I will shut that down quick. Take your weirdness down the road we should be spirit-filled. Listen to me. The the word for power is dunamis. You know what that's like? It's like taking your finger and sticking it in a light socket. (laughs) So whenever you go to a church, there should be power. There should be electricity. There should be something that the moment you pull in off the street to the time you get in your seat, you're like, what is, I'll tell you what that is and who that is. That is the Holy Spirit. No, I'm not against liturgical worship, but what I am against is dead services or gatherings. Get that out of here. No, God is alive and alive forevermore. Come on. Is anybody in here alive, by the way? Come on now. We should be spirit filled, we should be spirit led. I'm the pastor, but I'm not in charge. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever you want to do, Lord. In our gatherings, you know what we should see? We should see the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. In our gatherings, we should see the gifts of the Spirit. There should be teaching, preaching, worship, prayer, serving, giving, miracles. Come on. Spirit-filled, Spirit-led. Another sign of a healthy church is we should be committed to discipleship. Here's how I define discipleship. We love God's people. We grow in God's word. And we serve God's world. Discipleship. What we do on Sundays is discipleship. It's corporate discipleship. But you know what you need beyond just Sunday? A small group. You know what you need beyond just Sunday in a small group? Mentorship and accountability, one on one or one on two. One of our top priorities as an executive leadership team and as a staff here at Go Church in this calendar year is to embed a true culture of discipleship because that's the commission of God, to go make disciples. Another sign of a healthy church is we should be helping you discover and develop and deploy your gifts. This is where the Western church has got it mixed up. The, the, the body of Christ has given all of the responsibility to the pastor and the staff. That's not in the Bible. It's not the Bible. What is the Bible is Ephesians 4. That it is my job to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Does that make sense? So it's more than just coming here and spectating. It's participating and discovering and developing and deploying your gift Watch this, I'll keep moving quickly. A healthy church is committed to the next generation. The next generation is not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of right now. And I can't speak for any other church, but what we do with Go Kids and Go Youth, we don't babysit. No, we don't babysit. Now, there's a few areas that we're committed to when it comes to the next generation, from kids to youth to young adults. We are committed to teaching them about authentic faith real faith in Jesus. We're committed to teaching them about the spiritual disciplines so that they can stay on that straight and narrow. We're committed to teaching them about moral boundaries. Can I get an amen from somebody? And then helping them to establish healthy God-Christ-centered friendships and relationships. Any church not focused on the next generation that's not healthy. This is important. And then the final of the six is this. A healthy church is a church that is focused on the Great Commission. Oswald J. Smith said it this way. Any church that is not actively involved in the fulfilling of the Great Commission, they lose their right to exist. This is our job, is the Great Commission. All right, hang in there with me for three or four minutes and you'll be out of here, all right? Matthew 28, three verses. I told you we'd come back, and I'll close with these verses here and then one image that you can see. And Jesus came up, spoke to them, and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he said this, watch, therefore go. July 2012, in the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit woke me up from sleep, instructed my heart. I didn't hear the auditory voice of God with this instruction, but I did hear my name. And I woke up in the middle of the night. He led me to Matthew 28. My Bible was right at the nightstand. And I read this verse here. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, you'll pastor a church. Call her Go Church. This is where we get our name right here. This is why we're at Go Church. I had a pastor some years ago call me and say, man, I love the name Go Church. Do you have any other cool church names? And I said, you know what? The Bible is full of them. Come on, somebody. Not a cool church name. I'm not trying to be hip. I'm trying to bring hope. Come on now. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And here's the promise, and I'll be with you to the end of the earth. About three, four years ago, plus or minus on that, our, our staff got together. We did kind of a multi-day off-site we brought in some help from the outside that does some consulting and just begin to share our vision based out of Matthew 28 and from that series of conversations months of conversations we developed this visual and this visual really is the three-tier model of ministry here at Go Church this is how we see you take your next steps in fulfilling the great commission gather together grow in purpose Go make a difference. This is our heart for you. It's that it's not, it's not, listen, it's not step one, two, three. They're in harmony with each other, they're synonymous with each other. So I could give you a list of explanations, but watch. Our gatherings, it's anytime we come together. We got, and you may not know this, but we come together more than just Sunday. We got First Wednesday gatherings, we got youth and kids gatherings, we have First Saturday prayer gatherings. 21 days of fasting and prayer gatherings, come on. And every time we gather together, you know who it's about? It's about Jesus. And it's important that we're together. Hebrews says, and I don't know if I quoted this to you already, but if so, maybe we need to hear it again. Do not forsake the assembly of the saints, as some are in the habit of doing. We need each other. We need the corporate prayer, worship, devotion, etc. But don't just come and sit. Come and grow. Look, Get into a small group, get into that four step, you know, discipleship track called called move track. For the 129 people that just accepted Jesus as your Lord and savior, time to grow in your purpose and get baptized in water. That is the next spiritual step. But don't just gather and don't just grow, but now you gotta go. And that doesn't mean leave. It means go make a difference. This is using your gifts and talents in this local body because you're the missing piece to the puzzle. It's getting involved in local outreach and helping us take care of the widows and the orphans. We're going back on the mission field and you saw the video from Far Flung Tin Can a moment ago and some of our other missionary partnerships that are opening back up post-pandemic in Jesus' name. We're going back to the mission field. It also means that you're contributing financially and this is where people say, oh, that church is all about money. Keep your money. I don't want anything from you. I just believe that God has something for you. You ever heard the old term, that individual is a go getter, meaning that they have an aggressive personality and maybe they've got an entrepreneurial spirit and they're a go getter? I believe that God is raising up go givers that are gonna fund, that's good, y'all. Come on. I'm gonna fund the local church. Listen to me, lean in for a second. We are not for profit here, not for profit. It's not about us getting a lot of money so we can hold on to it. No, it's about you giving, and this is a kingdom mutual fund that as you give, we just give it back to the community and nonprofits and legacy partners, etc. Gather together, grow in purpose, go make a difference. That is the church. Come on, Jesus. Let's give them some praise. All right. When the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. And what's your next step? I always close with those two questions. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Everybody's got a next step. All of you in attendance today, you're doing the gather piece. What about the grow piece? Small groups, move track, water baptism. What about the go piece? Are you serving, using your gifts? Are you on the go team, volunteering? Are you connected to our first Saturday serve, loving our communities of life? You ready to get on the mission field? Everybody's got a next step here. Come on, what's yours? For some of you, that next step is asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. For the very first time of recommitting your life to Christ, I want to pray for that. Nobody's looking but me and the campus pastors. I'm going to give you two responses here. Westside, Germantown, this campus as well. If you want to recommit your life to Christ, maybe you have asked Jesus to be your Lord, but you've kind of drifted away, but you want to return to the family, the ecclesia, the the church, and more importantly, into that love relationship with Jesus. I'm going to count to three. If that's you, lift your hands. Come on, one, two, three. Hands. Thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you in the back. Right up front here, thank you. Okay, Lord, all the way in the back. I see you, young man. Thank you. Right here, dead center, sir. God bless you. All right, hands down. Now, if you want to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you've never done this before. But you want to make sure your name is written in the book of life. And you want to be a part of the family of God. I told you this earlier. No man comes to the Father but through Jesus. If you want to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I'm going to count to three. Lift your hand put it right back down. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Trying to look. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Lord, every hand that was raised for recommitment and first-time salvation at every campus, here's the prayer. Forgive us of our sins. Come into our heart. We accept you as Lord, and we give you our life. Make us a new creation. Help me discover my purpose. Thank you for giving me this gathering of brothers and sisters in the faith because you didn't create me to do life alone. I wanna discover my part, my role in the church. I don't have time to give it to you, so I'm gonna give you the homework. First Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12. What's my part in this church? First Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. Reveal that to me in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's applaud the Lord one more time. Come on, every location here. Come on, to God be the glory.